girl 14 flipping through a magazine says she wants to look that way. But her hair isn't straight and her body isn't fake and she's always built of her way. Little girl 14, I wish that you could see the beauty is within your heart. You were made with such care, your skin, your body, and your hair are perfect just the way they are. Cause there can never be a more beautiful you. By the lights, the skies, and hoops that make you jump through. You are made to feel a purpose that only you could do. Cause there can never be a more beautiful That you've already done anything to get ahead You say you got a man but he's got another plan Only once what you'll do instead Well little girl 21 you never thought this would come You starve yourself to play the part Well I can promise you there's a man whose love is true And he'll treat you like the jewel you are Cause there can never be a more beautiful you And hoops that make you jump through Cause you were made to feel a purpose That only you could do Cause there can never be a more beautiful you So turn around, you're not too far to back away and be who you are and change your path, go another way It's not too late, you can be saved If you feel depressed with past regrets Shameful nights, don't to forget They can disappear, they can all be washed away By the one strong can right your wrongs Can rid your fears, dry all your tears And change the way Look at this big world He will take your dark and sordid view And with his light he will show you truth Again you'll see through the eyes of a little girl There can never be a more beautiful you By the lights, the skies and hoops They make you jump through Amen, amen. Good morning. Brian and I were back and forth on who should sing that song, Brian or me. And we couldn't decide, and we just decided to go with Brian. And I think that was a good choice, don't you? Good job, Brian. You would not still be here if I was singing that song. Happy Mother's Day. If you're a mom, would you stand real quick? 
Just stand up real quick, moms. Let's give these beautiful ladies a hand. Happy Mother's Day, and we're glad you're here. We've got a flower for you as you leave the sanctuary today, but uh, we uh, are so glad that you're here and you're with us today, and all of us that are here and with us today. If you're new this morning, um, if you're out of town visiting with your mom, uh, we are in a series called Family Life, and it's good, it's bad, and it's crazy. Let's say that together. It's good, it's bad. Yeah, family life can be good. Family life can be bad and family life can be crazy all by noon, right? Mom, happy Mother's Day. That's my mother. Give her a hand. Thank you. She hated that I did that, but happy Mother's Day. Uh, Here's what we're going to learn today. In the midst of the good, the bad, and the crazy, we must have faith in God. So here, here it is. When it comes to family life... Faith in God is the key to making it through the good, the bad, and the crazy. Let's read that together. When it comes to family life, faith in God is the key to making it through the good, the bad, and the crazy. If you have your Bibles or you have the YouVersion app on your phone, go to Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at that, the story of Ruth. Maybe some of us are familiar with this story, but if not, we're going to kind of be unpacking that and jumping around in this story. But we're going to learn from the story of Ruth, and specifically the family in general, not just Ruth, that regardless of what season we're in, the key to making it through is having faith in God. This morning, as Adam alluded to, you know, we celebrate moms and we want to we make it a big, fun thing. But for some of us today, Mother's Day is not an easy thing. For some of us, we're, we're missing our mother. Maybe our mother is out of town and is not here. Or maybe our mother has passed away. Or maybe you're a mother who's missing a child because they're not here or they've passed away. Or there's some type of an estrangement in the family. The family's just going through a hard time. In other words, many of us that are sitting in here today, just because there's so many of us, there's probably some of us that that this is not the best day for you. It's not because I'm trying to be negative or you're trying to be negative. That's just the way that it is. Things have been better, things have been worse, and things have been crazy. And that's what we're looking at in this story of Ruth. There's a man that begins this story. His name is Elimelech. uh, And he has a wife named Naomi. And they have two kids. And they are living in Bethlehem in the region of Judea. And what's taking place in this story is that the Bible doesn't say how long they've been living there. But what we do know is that they love God. In fact, the word Elimelech means my God is my king. God is my king. And so we know that they're serving the Lord, the God of Israel. We know that the family is doing well and things are, things are good. Much like in your family, there's times where you would say, if you look back or maybe now or at some point, you would say, this isn't a bad season. Things are good. But what we know almost immediately in Ruth chapter 1, at least that's what's put in the Bible, at some point things aren't good because there's a severe famine that takes place in the land. And I'm not just talking about, you know, farmers wanting rain. I'm talking about a severe famine that takes place and as a result they're not able to grow crops and things get really, really bad. Much like sometimes our family situations can get. And it gets so bad that Elimelech's like, we've got to get out of here for us to survive. Forget making money. We just need to not die. 
And so he makes the decision for his family that they're going to move 60 miles. And remember, they didn't have cars back then or, you know, they had to just basically walk. And so they had to go 60 miles to a country called Moab and begin to live their life there. So he takes his wife and his kids and the possessions that they have, and they make this rigged trek 60 miles through the mountains, if you can imagine that, okay? You've had a bad hiking experience or canoe experience, this, this will even top that. And they finally get to Moab, and they're starting to adjust. And you've got to understand this, like many of us do. Everything familiar has now been traded in for foreign. Some of you in here, you've moved from one city to the next and you need to know where the Piggly Wiggly is or where to, you know, shop or where to get your milk or what, you know, what businesses can you trust? I mean, every situation that you can even imagine, that's where they're at. And when they get there, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how long goes by, but Elimelech, who's the one who led him there, he dies. And when he dies, Naomi, his wife, is left with her two sons. And the two sons, they marry Moabite women in the meantime. And one of them marries a woman named Orpah. I always want to call her Oprah, but it's Orpah. And the other woman is named Ruth. And Ruth is who we may be familiar with. Ten years go by and the family's just now getting over dad not being there. They're learning to kind of function again. And then what happens is, the Bible doesn't exactly say exactly what happens, but what we know is both her sons die. This is a morbid story. And let's read that last sentence. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Some of you know what this is like, or at least a portion of it. We start with a famine and it gets worse and it moves to the loss of family members. And now all of a sudden Naomi is just left broken. So a period of time goes by and Naomi hears that the famine that was taking place where she was from is over and the crops are doing well again. And she decides, well, at least I can be around my ancestors and my friends and people that I know. I'm, I'm going back. But she tells her two daughter-in-laws, there's no reason for you guys to have to hang out with me. You were married to my sons and they've passed away and you deserve to be able to do what you want to do. And so you guys can go on. And both of them initially say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay with you. But Naomi, being a selfless person and wanting them to truly be able to live their life the way that, you know, they would need, deserve to live it, she really says, no, I release you. Go do your thing. And Orpah, or Oprah, she says, are you sure? And she says, yeah, go do your thing. And so they hug and they, and she leaves. But Ruth had had a special connection with Naomi for whatever reason. And she says, I'm not leaving. And she says, you need to leave. And Ruth says, I'm not leaving. Don't ask me to leave you and turn and turn back. And let's read this together. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. We read this at weddings all the time, assuming it's between a husband and a wife. It was actually between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. So what takes place is, and to make a long story short, they both head back to Bethlehem. A bunch of series of events happen, and I will be here all day if I share the whole story with you. But in the end, Ruth, who is her daughter-in-law, and is a Moabite, who's not even, you know, God's chosen race of Israel at that time, 
she ends up getting finding work in a field, and the field who owned the guy who owned the field, his name was Boaz, and he was related to Elimelech, who uh, was her her first husband passed away's dad, and so this is like telling a story of your own in your own family. <laughs> Stepdad, mom, dad, over here, we all got those stories. Bottom line, here's what happens: Boaz ends up marrying Ruth and redeeming the family. Okay, and back then, uh, women were not considered on an equal plane uh, with men the way that they are now. And so by her marrying Boaz, it redeemed the family. And another neat story about this is that in the midst of all of that, God, Jesus, his line where he comes from includes Ruth and her family. And then the woman of the town say to Naomi, praise the Lord, let's read it, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Okay, so I shared that story with you not to bore you. But I shared that story because we are that family. We have famines. We have loss. And yet God leaves a legacy in the midst of. So there's a few observations that we're going to take from this story and some action steps that we can apply to our family regardless of how healthy or unhealthy, regardless of how functional or dysfunctional your family is. There's hope for you today. Amen? First of all, we have to be reminded today, I'm not going to tell us anything that we don't already know, but number one, famines happen in family. Say that with me. Famines happen the Bible talks all the time about all the time about the fact that there's time where there's uh, you know there's a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot. We see where the Bible it, it tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. Things happen, and many of us, if we're not in a famine, we could tell of a time that we were in a famine. And if we're not in a famine in the past and we're not in one now, we're going to be in one. Okay, this isn't the most positive story, and yet it's truthful. And I share that with you today because what Satan wants to do with us when we're struggling with a famine, before we had Noah, I'm just thinking of moms today, we told everybody that Whitney was pregnant. She was about four to six weeks along, and she ended up having a miscarriage. And that was a famine. Some of you have famines like that, maybe even worse famines than that. And sometimes the famines aren't just a little bit getting over, they last a lifetime. I share that with you because when we're in the middle of a famine, sometimes our mindset, at least mine, at least for a minute, can be like, you know what, I'm the only one that's ever done this before, I'm the only one that's ever experienced this before. And Satan, when he gets us in that place, he wants to isolate us. But the truth is, all families face famines. In fact, James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come. Now, why doesn't it say if troubles of any kind come? It says, well, it must be because we all face trouble. But considered an opportunity for great joy. You notice it doesn't say happy. You know, happiness is this emotion. Consider it a great opportunity to have happiness. It doesn't say that. It says, consider it an opportunity to find joy, to rejoice in the midst of. For you know that when your faith is tested. Now, I want to tell you this. When Whitney had the mis- miscarriage, I don't want to hear that. 
When you're facing what you're dealing with, you don't need somebody to read that to you. But as we walk with God and we trust Him in the midst of all the different things that we could be going through, He is strengthening us. That may not bring us comfort at the time, but He's developing His character in us if we choose to follow Him in the midst of that famine or in the midst of that struggle. So what can we take away from the fact that there's famine sometimes in families? Let's read it. Have faith in God. That's the action step that goes along with the fact that they had a famine. The family, however big or small throughout the story, continued to have faith in God. That's it. Yeah. Don't lose heart in the midst of the famine that you've been in, are in, or if you're going to be in one at some point. Don't lose heart. Have faith in God during the famine. What we also notice is that sometimes God values the foreign over the familiar. Let's read that. God values the foreign over the familiar I don't mind change, but my wife hates change, and many of us fall into that category that we hate change. We don't like things to change. I was driving my car the other day, and I'm looking, and, you know, Gracie and Noah are actually not arguing for a second, and Luke's asleep, not asking for something for us to do, and Whitney's not saying, would you please stop the car and tell them that if they don't quit. I mean, we actually had this moment in our car where things were good. And I looked back into the mirror and I thought to myself, this is awesome. And then my next thought was someday it's not going to be like this. And some of you know this, your kids are grown. And I wish that I could hit the pause button. We just took Noah home from the hospital. He's 11. Some of you'd say, you think that's, I just took my son home from the hospital and he's 68. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know and I don't know, but I think we have to be reminded that sometimes God's okay with the foreign because it accomplishes what he wants to accomplish in us. I didn't like dropping Noah off at kindergarten several years ago. It didn't feel right, but yet he's got to grow up. He's got to learn to do things. And in our lives, sometimes we reject something that we don't know or we don't understand, and we want to stay in the familiar, but can I tell you, God's plan is not all, does not always include familiar. God values the foreign over the familiar. I'm tired of seeing Pastor Jim's office empty. It's depressing every time I walk by it. But yet I know that we can't hit the pause button. Does that make sense? And in your life, this is what I'm trying to say. Probably more than anything else I've said. In your life, you keep going back in your mind to a better time or before things went wrong or when your kids were little or when your husband was alive or when your wife was alive or when things were simpler or before it happened or before a bunch of things happened. And can I tell you today that as long as you spend your time going over those familiar memories and those familiar tragedies and those things where they went wrong or you went wrong, you can never embrace what God has for you now. And if you're in the midst of something that just happened, 
Forget everything I just said because you need to go through the grieving process. You need to heal. But five years from now, two years from now, the lights have to come back on and we've got to go and we've got to function because God still has a plan. Jesus has not even come yet and Naomi and Ruth could have just shut everything down, but they continued to trust. Listen to what Isaiah says. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, don't be afraid for I am. Don't be discouraged for I am. I will strengthen you and I will uphold you with. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is with you when things are going well. And God is with you when things are not going well. And God is with you when you say, you won't believe what just happened. Let's read it. Have faith in God when everything is foreign. We need to know that sometimes we have to trade the familiar for the foreign. And what does that look like practically in our life? We have to have faith when everything is new and things are changing and we don't like them and we're in a new place and, we're in, and our family's taking on a different dynamic. Have faith and trust God. I've shared this story before, but I remember being at a football game one time and I was down on the field and the band's playing and it, it just looks like chaos. And I walk up to the top of the stadium and I look down and it spells P-S-U. But when I was down on the field, it just looked like chaos. But when I was on top of the stadium, it said P-S-U. And on this earth, in our families, we're standing down on the field and God's making, you know, he's directing us and things are happening and we don't always understand it. But when we step back in our quiet time every day and we pray and we let God speak to our hearts, he takes what's chaotic and he makes something out of it. God has not left you and he didn't cause your pain, but he will use your situation to bring about his plan. You see, it's okay when God gives the family a new familiar. Let's say that. It's okay when God gives the family. We were going to have two kids. We have three kids. You were going to have children. And maybe you haven't been able to have children. You were planning on dying before your kids did. And maybe that wasn't what happened. You were planning on growing old with your husband or with your wife, and that didn't happen. You weren't planning for something. And it's okay after, the t- after a certain amount of time of grieving or, or missing that ideal or expecting whatever. It's okay to embrace the new familiar. Whitney, what? You're pregnant? Are you serious? You just got signed a contract today. God's plans are bigger than our plans. And sometimes we don't always understand why things happen. I don't believe that God causes certain things to happen. But in the midst of that, God is with us. Listen to this. For I'm about to do something new. I will make a pathway through the what? I will create rivers in the... I don't know that God caused the wilderness... I don't know that God caused the wasteland, but I knew he's, know that he's going to make a pathway through it and he's going to create a river in the wasteland. 
But the problem is we can't see the pathway or the river if all we're focused on is the wilderness and the wasteland. What would it look like? Instead of looking for the wilderness and the wasteland, you said, God, give me your eyes. This is good. Give me your eyes to see the pathway and the river. Have faith in God when everything won't be normal again. Let's read that. Have faith in God when everything. Now listen, that's not a big amen part. I wouldn't be amen in it or clapping either. But in the midst of whatever's taking place or however things are shaken out, have faith in God. Some of us in here today, we're missing mom. Mom's not here for whatever reason. But God is still good. Amen? God's name still is worthy to be praised. And God still has a plan for your family the same way that he had a plan for Amalek's family after Amalek died and after his two sons died and after Naomi met Ruth and after Ruth met Boaz and so on and so forth. Have faith when everything won't be normal again. And then God is creative in redeeming families from this same story. God is creative in redeeming families. Have you ever asked someone, well, how did you two to get together? How did this all work out? And they say to you, well, you know, it's a funny story. You won't even believe it. You can't even imagine how, how, we, how we came to be. You can't, if you were to write a book, you wouldn't write it like this. God is creative in how he redeems. There was a man and a woman who lived in a garden. They were told not to eat of a tree. Sounds like a song I'm getting ready to sing. They eat of the tree. Sin enters the garden and it looks like things are going downhill for generation after generation after generation. And the story seems bleak and over. And God says, you don't know how creative I am. And when we were to the point of utter desperation and things had gone terrible, and we know between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was 400 years where God says nothing, nothing. But then an angel appears to Mary and says, I tell you that you're going to have the Messiah. And Messiah is born and things still you know, continue to be Bad. And then Jesus dies on a cross and he resurrects from the dead. We just sang about it. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now listen to this. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. I mean, even if you were an upright person, most people wouldn't die for you. Some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But listen to this. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Let's finish it. While we were still Have faith in God by letting God do the redeeming. You're trying to redeem the situation by worrying yourself to death over your son or your daughter or your struggle or whatever. And you're trying to redeem it all by holding it all yourself. And there's no, you, you don't have big enough arms. 
or, or there's nothing really wrong yet, but, but you're that Murphy Law person who you keep waiting for the ball to drop and you're trying to redeem the situation by being a planner and trying to see every little angle that could possibly happen and you're wearing your family out and you're wearing yourself out. Let God do the redeeming. Trust God with your kids. Trust God with your future. Trust God in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the trek to Moab, in the midst of the trek back when you're leaving half the family there that you started with. Let God redeem your story. Because I will tell you, when you try, and I've done this, when you try to redeem your own story, all you do is make a mess. And I share that today because that's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to get anything out of what I just said, but I know that somebody is. And lastly, another observation that we can learn from this story is that you never know what God has in line for your family. Let's read that. You never know what God has in line. What, What Naomi didn't know Just call me bitter, she said. Call me bitter. Is that Jesus was coming from her line. Ruth, they had to go get Ruth. Because God, for whatever reason, I guess we'll find out when we get to heaven, wanted Ruth connected to that story. You see, Solomon says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Let me just say, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, we've all done this. We try to think every once in a while that in God's eyes, A plus B equals C, and 1 plus 1 equals 2, and we just need to throw that out the window because half the time things just don't make sense and we don't understand why. And people ask me, why, why, why? And I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is it's okay to make plans. As long as God has permission to determine whether it's carried out or not. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. My plan was not to be here doing this. But God had a different plan. So what do we do? Whether they're good or bad or indifferent, we have to have faith in God. Man, there's a key running through all these action steps. Have faith in God for what is next in line. Let's read that. Have faith in God for what is next. So this morning, okay? Maybe you're sitting here today and everything's worked out perfectly for you. Every dream you've ever had has come true within your family and in your job and all of that. But for the rest of us, maybe you're in Bethlehem deciding that you need to move. Maybe you're in between Bethlehem and Moab and you're like Amalek thinking, should we have done this? Is this the right thing? Maybe you're like Naomi and you're looking and you're seeing your husband die and you're frustrated and you're hurt. Maybe you're like Naomi losing her kids. Maybe you're like Ruth thinking, am I going to leave everything that I have and go with this woman? Maybe you're like Ruth when she was married Boaz or maybe you're like whatever part of this story and you're thinking to yourself, what's next? What would it look like? Imagine what it would look like wherever you're at in the story. If you said, Jesus, you've got it. I trust you with it. I trust you with every part of this story. I don't know when I'm 75 years old, if my wife is going to be alive or not. I don't know. 
You know, I, I, I talk with people in here. You don't ever plan to be a widow or a widower. You don't ever plan for certain things that happen. You always kind of think it's going to be the other person. Some of you could tell stories. God is with you. You didn't, you didn't plan for this to happen. But it's here. But God is with you. You thought you'd be married by now. God is with you. You thought you'd have a child by now. God is with you. You thought you'd have a grandchild by now. God is with you. You thought you'd have a job by now. God is with you. You thought things would be different by now. God is with you. Have faith in God. When it comes to family life, faith in God is the key to making it through the good the bad and the crazy what would it look like and I'm done I promise what would it look like if you trusted God regardless of where you're at right now and you said regardless of where it is in the future I trust you this morning as we stand together Maybe there's a few of us today that just need to say that. We just need to say, God, I trust you no matter what. As we worship, if you'd like to come and pray, you can do that. If you'd like to pray where you're at, you can do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for who you are. Father, help us to trust you regardless of where we find ourselves today. And thank you that you are the great redeemer of our story. Jesus name let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you today for our moms Father I pray that you would bless them today Father I pray for the moms Lord the new moms today Father would you give them your your peace and your strength in the midst of the chaos of raising kids I pray for that person that always wanted to be a mom and maybe that wasn't in the cards for them or they desperately want to be a mom I pray that you would touch them Father I pray for those moms that have lost a child whether it's a, a little child or an adult child Lord that and they're grieving that Lord would you be especially close to them today Lord I pray for that mom and grandma who's 70, 80, 85 years old 90 however old Lord and they're missing their family and they're missing their husband Father would you comfort them today and Father, for all of us, would you give us faith in the midst of whatever season we're in right now and trust you with the next and give us peace with the season behind us. And we thank you and we give you praise for who you are. You are good. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Happy Mother's Day.